Hello and welcome to this MGMA Industry Insights Podcast. I'm Craig Weberg, Senior Editor with MGMA. Today I'm joined by Rick Sinclair, Senior Vice President with MGMA's Executive Partner, Waystar, where he helps ambulatory clinics and hospitals improve performance in all phases of their revenue cycle. Rick, could you take a few minutes to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Rick Sinclair. Uh, as Craig mentioned, Senior Vice President, sit on the executive team at uh, one of the nation's fastest growing technology companies, chiefly focused on simplifying and unifying the revenue cycle. It's a pleasure to be here. Can't wait to answer some questions and have a little bit of fun. All right, that sounds great. Let's jump right in. Today, we're going to be talking about revenue cycle management, obviously a top concern for all MGMA members. So, Rick, in your opinion, what are the top three, what are three top revenue cycle issues practices are struggling with today? That's a, a really good question. Um, you know, unfortunately, as we've looked at data nationally and, you know, had conversations with hundreds, if not thousands of healthcare practices, we've seen that many of the complexities that exist in the market uh, are the same complexities that practices have been dealing with for the last five years and in some cases, 10 years, only they're starting to get worse. And so, you know, if I just pick three, first and foremost, we still see uh, abnormal trends uh, in what's going on with denials and how those denials are managed and appealed. Uh, in some instances, based on you know, our data looking at billions of transactions, there's three to five percent of net revenue lost to denials. And we fundamentally believe and have proven that 90 to 95 percent of those denials are, are avoidable. So there's a lot, you know, we could press into there with what's going on with how a claim is denied at a physician practice. Um, second, I would say. Generally, uh, there's a lot of complexity and a lot of focus right now on driving variable cost productivity. And that's really just a fancy way of saying the way any physician practice would follow up with outstanding accounts. And that could be payer-related accounts, so accounts that are in AR where you need to check in, see what's going on, and patient-related accounts where we see a rise in patient responsibility, in some cases 40 or 50% patient responsibility being written off as bad debt. And there's an increasingly complex world there. And then, then third, I would say uh, to generalize it, and I think all the listeners can, can appreciate it, doing more with less. Um, we continue to see margin compression, uh, payment cuts from some insurance companies, staff pressures at physician practices that I'm sure everybody feels. And it's trying to find novel, creative, innovative ways to, to get more ultimately out of less resources with kind of an infinite number of requests rising up and a finite number of resources. So you mentioned that these are some of the same problems that people have been facing for five, 10, maybe more years. Yeah. Why do you think that these challenges have not been solved yet? Like, wasn't technology supposed to solve all this for us? <laughs> um, Man, that's a good question. You, you know, we, uh, we're in the market a lot, and I, have a, I consider it really a, a privilege to, to interact with a lot of administrators um, really across the continuum of healthcare. 
And one quote resonates with me and, you know, keeps coming up. I was talking with uh, an administrator of a very large physician practice, and they said, specific to the revenue cycle, if I'm not having any issues, I'm not actively looking for a new solution. And so we had dialogue on that for, for a bit of time, and we pressed into that. And what was interesting was, it's not an indictment on anyone. But an issue was to find that if I'm not worse than what my historical average has been, if, if nothing's falling over, if it's accepting 15, 20% of claims not paid, right, the first time, or it's accepting that, you know, 20, 25%, about one out of every four claims, you have to do kind of some kludgy follow-up on, which may be calling an insurance company at day 14 or day 21 or going to websites. There's not really a call to action because everybody's busy, as we talked about, to go out and to seek technology solutions that may be able to make things better and may be able to potentially transform things for you. And that, that's normal. I mean, as a, as a consumer, you or I, we can test multiple products to determine which is best. We can do that with really low opportunity costs, and we can routinely do that and then make a switch. It makes sense that in healthcare, a physician practice would be risk adverse because you don't want your cash flow to get disrupted. Um, I, I would encourage the listeners, though, to understand that with the proliferation of technology, particularly in the last five years, a lot of advancements that have been made, the switching cost, even for something as, as simple and historically commoditized as a clearinghouse that's now incredibly differentiated. Um, it is achievable. There, there was another quote that resonated with me uh, from another uh, very large uh, scaled physician practice. And they, they were talking about just clearinghouse. And they said, you know, clearinghouses are a commodity from my point of view. And I said, that's fair. Let's talk about that. And what we found was they had been on the same clearinghouse for, to your point, about 15 years, never even tested another. And I would agree that a decade ago, most clearinghouses in the United States uh, for a physician practice were a commodity. Transmit a claim to the insurance company, get paid, do some manual work. Even in a space as specific as that, though, I, I would challenge and say there are some huge innovations taking place with artificial intelligence, with machine learning that can automate that process even for a phys single physician office and give them some of the tools at a really affordable price point that maybe a, a leading health system is using. I think that uh, our members, you know, they, they want to see a return on investment for the work that they're doing and for the, um, you know, any changes yeah. that they may make. And you're talking three to 5% of revenues that are left on the table. That's, to me, that seems like it's worthy of putting in the work to, to retain those revenues for work that you've already done. Yeah, and we've seen that uh, just really candidly in the industry, uh, particularly in 2017, 2018, 2019, as we look out to the future, a return to normalcy in purchasing. And, and what I mean by that is you're, you're spot on with return on investment. If, if anyone is going to buy a piece of software, going to use a service and not receive federal funding for it or not receive dollars for it, there has to be a, a sense of normalcy to say, what is the return on investment of dollars I'm going to spend? And how's this going to find me more money? And, and I'm 
crazy enough, maybe it sounds to believe that very soon in healthcare in the United States, we can operate in an environment where we're denial free. And we can operate in an environment where our first pass clean claims rate is 100%. And we think that we shouldn't tolerate anything less than that. And so I've been kind of on a mission to try and simplify the revenue cycle for healthcare providers across the nation and really believe we can get there working together. That sounds really attractive. (laughs) I I hope that you are right. And I I commend you for uh, taking on that mission. I know that that'll be, that would be amazing for our members. I'm going to take the conversation uh, a little bit. I'm going to talk about the proliferation of mergers and acquisitions in the industry. I think we read about new mergers and acquisitions every day and private equity firms now coming in. Yeah. So different ownership structures, health systems, other entities, absolutely. How do you think that um, these mergers and acquisitions are affecting the success of of medical practices? So... If I just look at it very um, kind of with a wide lens uh, and and very bluntly, a a new kind of integrated delivery network is emerging. And part of that IDN uh, doesn't include uh, hospitals. Um, If you look at all the acquisitions that are going on that have been announced uh, broadly, uh, you know, CBS and Aetna coming together, Optum and DaVita coming together, Humana and Kindred coming together, they spotlight an expanding universe of businesses that are interested in acquiring physician practices, home health services, ambulatory facilities. And what, what that means, uh, at least uh, to me, and how I interpret that is there's a real opportunity for all of us, providers, patients, payers, technologists, to figure out a way to unify the data between health systems and physician practices, regardless of if they're owned outright, affiliated, or even unaffiliated. And and I think that, you know, to to directly answer your question about how do mergers and acquisitions affect the success uh, of a practice, um, I think it means for those practices in your membership that uh, want to remain fully independent, that they have to invest in constant iteration and a modern approach to how they interact with patients and how they work with payers. Um, no longer can something as tactical as you know a paper bill, can that be acceptable? You have to look at everything from text-based payments, which are readily available now, of where you can interact with a patient through text message and tell them their balance through a text message and they can pay directly from their mobile phone all the way up to looking at options for telehealth, looking at options for remote visit. Uh, All of that is required as we think about a highly evolving patient experience. And then for practices that are aligning uh, or even being acquired by health systems, that can be a really good place to be too. If you have invested in software, if you have invested in systems that's quote unquote, scale up and out. And that means that long gone are the days where you'll see, let's say, revenue cycle technology that quote, that quote unquote only works in ambulatory or only works in institutional or works in a very particular niche of home health. 
We believe everything needs to be unified together and you can drive actionable insights, not just reactive analytics and reporting that allow you to do things like predict your cash flow and allow you to do things like focus on problem prevention, not problem management. But it's still a, a great time to be a healthcare provider or a physician practice in the United States of America, particularly when we realize that mergers are about expanding delivery networks to ultimately reduce the cost of care. And, and that's a, that is a good, admirable thing that we're all after. So I hear you talking about a lot of different things and a lot of exciting things, but one, from our members' perspective, when they are merged or when they purchase a, a health IT system, they feel like they might be stuck with that for a while. And let's be honest, it's the reality that many practices have more than one HIT platform. In fact, a recent HIMSS analytics survey found that over two-thirds of healthcare organizations use more than one RCM vendor. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that they choose more than one revenue cycle management vendor? Is it a best of breed thing? Uh, we've, uh, we've had dialogue before with, with some healthcare providers that have had more than 30, more than 40 uh, pieces of software, each, each capturing a unique aspect in their, their overall kind of continuum of care. And so I agree with you. I think today it is a reality, period, that many practices have more than one HIT platform. Uh, we, we are seeing a trend in the marketplace, as we talked about, where practices are focusing more on the specific return on investment each piece of software they utilize brings. And that, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. Software can do some pretty amazing things, be at the front of the revenue cycle, middle or the back, but it's only as good as the real value that it, it provides. And so I think that historically, it's been, uh, I'll say it's been easier to go best of breed and pick exactly what you need for uh, a particular problem that you're having. And that can be in the rev cycle related to payer reimbursement or patient reimbursement. But now I think what we're starting to see uh, with the widespread use of technology as well as the growing importance of data is the combination of massive amounts of financial, clinical, consumer data with claims data, EHR data, farmer data, uh, in the case of uh, you know, some of the retailers, even shopping data, um, we can put all that together to drive down the cost of care. We can put that together to give a better patient financial experience overall, and we can help practices run better, more efficiently. Um, we can find missing charges. Uh, we can find overcharging. We can find DRG anomalies on the acute care side by having data that is unified together. And that's only possible by moving to, uh, I'll, I'll say, modern technology platforms um, that have been growing that can do more end-to-end. -end. And so older technology platforms that are what's called client server, that are installed locally, that a healthcare provider practice has to maintain, that doesn't talk and isn't interoperable, even though that word's used a lot, but let's just say it doesn't speak to the other systems and you're having to maintain two, three, or four system of records is not the way of the future. The way of the future is having seamless integrations between systems that focuses really squarely, uh, almost ironically, on, on what we opened up talking about. Uh, on variable cost productivity 
and not having uh, the need to have to log in to five or six or seven different systems. And so we think of that as kind of a surround supplement and future-proof mentality, meaning you should have technology that is able to surround your existing processes and systems that you have already invested in that can supplement it. And the word future-proof just means whatever you're buying now should have a proven track record of innovating and getting better over time. So as you look three years out, five years out, a decade out, you are not having to constantly replace vendors. You just have a vendor that's evolving with a rapidly payment landscape that's going to continue to do uh, you know, really wild things over the next few years. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I see our members um, struggling with that three to five year view, you know, they, they wish that they had the crystal ball to figure out what that right technology is. To that point, we, we see that. And, you know, we, we, we have the real the privilege to serve over 400,000 healthcare providers. Now, no one knows exactly what the world's going to be in five years. And if they tell you that they do see what they said it was going to be five years ago and were they right. So it's just about using really lightweight technology that does use the internet and people your terms like software as a service and single instance cloud. And that's powerful because what that means, if you're not a technologist, is you're investing in a platform that can evolve and you don't need to install anything. You don't need to implement anything else. You don't need to use your resources to say, oh, I have a new version coming that helps me out with a new payment model or helps me out with a new uh, payment method. Uh, it could be even Apple Pay or fingerprint pay or text pay, as, as we talked about. It evolves with you over time, and that allows physician practices to focus on quality care and not have to spend time chasing dollars from insurance companies and from patients. So I guess this is where the rubber meets the road is what are the next steps? What are your suggestions for our practice administrators when they are taking a look at that software solutions that are forward thinking, what are their next steps in order to evaluate and implement? It's a big, beautiful world out there for revenue cycle technology right now. We are seeing some advancements uh, that even a few years ago, uh, I thought were maybe five or 10 years out, but with the advancements of predictive analytics, of a lot of really scaled technology that we're able to integrate in. Now's a better time than ever uh, for uh, physician practice leaders to see how they can tangibly improve their denial rate, their AR days, their patient write-offs, their bad debt, and to not be satisfied with what I would call the status quo or even not be satisfied with benchmarks that in many cases haven't been updated in the last decade. So they should be looking for an intuitive user experience. It should look and feel good. They should be looking for seamless integration. And they absolutely should be looking for a platform that can simplify and unify revenue cycle processes and have kind of do it in a really, really cool way, uh, to, to use kind of a, a fun phrase. That technology is out there. There are multiple vendors that are striving for that. But if anyone listening, uh, let's say, falls into uh, 
kind of the normalcy and the trap of saying, oh, I do struggle with denials right now. And I feel like I'm managing denials, not preventing denials. And if you think that, I can assure you that there are pieces of technology out there. There are clearinghouses out there that can solve those problems for you now using technology. And they're, they're not a big burden to switch over to. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Rick. That was, Those are some great recommendations. Before we close, I'd like to point out that two of Rick's colleagues, Ken Bradley and Brendan Fitzgerald, will be sharing some more in, insights like these during their session on October 1st at the MGMA 2018 Annual Conference in Boston. Their session is titled, Address the Evolving Billing Needs of Your Patients. To learn more about joining us in Boston, visit mgma.com slash Boston. Rick, thank you very much for your insights today. You yeah, thank you day. so much for the time. Thanks. All right. Have a great day.